Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joshua Braff, and I'm here with my friend and partner, Farmer Adam Teitelbaum. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about edibles and what can happen when you go a little too far. Any cannabis educator will tell you to go slow, less is more, see what the first rung of the ladder feels like before you step on two or three. With edibles, you don't want to step on rung three before you step on one, or you might get yourself into a place of discomfort or anxiety. This kind of anxiety, which a lot of people who have explored with cannabis have felt, leaves you in a state of a little bit of a panic, maybe like a panic attack. We're going to start off today with a caller who is going to talk about edibles and what happened to her with her exploration of trying to find a cannabis remedy. Adam, I have a story for you. My father, I was recently talking to him, and he is uh, 83 years old and uh, not feeling so great. And Cannabis did come up as a topic, because I am me, of course, and he's kind of old school and said to me, I don't know if I ever told you, but I, back in the 70s, I went to a party in San Diego and someone offered me special brownies, or I don't know what the other brownies were called, maybe mediocre brownies, but he decided to take one of the special brownies knowing that uh, he might feel something, I don't know. He had no experience with it before. So he ate a full brownie and was in discussion with someone he was with. He felt nothing. So he ate a second full brownie. The story then takes him into a state that's hard to remember for him, but he did choose to drive home. And when he got home, barely got home, he remembers multiple traffic lines. He crashed the car into the garage. Uh, in in our rental in uh, La Jolla. He did not touch or think about cannabis for 53 years following that story. And I think a lot of people can relate. They have a bad experience. Even Karam yesterday said, I got paranoid when I would try it. And then it was later when he was ill that he found so many amazing things about it that were helping him. So the question is, what happens to us when we eat too much? Our caller is Jody from Berkeley, who has a story from us. Hello, Jody. Thanks for calling in. Hello. Hello. Thank you. What happened? Did you Did you eat too much too fast or did you not hear about taking a sliver and seeing how it goes? Tell us from the beginning what you were also trying to uh, yeah, help yourself with. Well, nobody told me about the sliver thing. So here's the story. Okay. First time I ever tried pot was in college, like many people do. And I felt nothing except I remember one night driving home from hanging out with some friends. And when I got home, I realized that I had stopped at the green light. And I thought, oh, maybe it turns out I was stoned because I was typically a good driver. But it never really did anything for me except, you know, make me stop at green lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hadn't tried it again. And here we are 30 years later, and my wife and I are enjoying a nice, quiet New Year's Eve together. And a friend of hers gave her some pot brownies. So we're talking like eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. So just for fun, and I have always been a very straight, well, not straight, in the typical sense, but straight in terms of a drug sense. <laughs> right. I've never really done drugs. I don't like the taste of alcohol. I don't like the effects of alcohol. I'm not a pill popper, nothing like that. So, in fact, most of my friends are like, what's wrong with you? How do you get through the day? So, <laughs> Sober. <laughs> so, for, right. so, for New Year's Eve, we're having a quiet evening at home. And a friend of hers had given her some brownies, and I thought, why not? I like brownies. So we're sitting, relaxing, watching The Color Purple, which I have seen 
being a good recently graduated from undergraduate feminist lesbian, I'd seen The Color Purple about 18 times. Right. So I have one chocolate brownie, and I'm like, well, that tasted good because it was a chocolate brownie, but I didn't feel anything. And my partner started to feel a little partner at the time, wife now. She started to feel kind of happy, and I was kind of envious, like, well, God damn it, why is she feeling the happiness and I'm not? And goofy, and so I eat another brownie. So let's just skip ahead. An hour later, I've had three brownies in the span of probably one hour. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. So it just gets worse from there to the point where I'm demanding that she call 911. Okay. So... Yes. It got, it, so it, it went I, it bad. Started with, I felt stoned. At first, it felt happy and relaxed. But then I'm watching the color purple and I realize this plot is really complicated. I have no idea what's happening <laughs> in this movie. And as I've mentioned, I've seen it 18 times. So that so is, that's very telling. I realized, yeah. oh, I must be stoned. And that's really kind of the last thing I remember before it got really, really bad. In what, so in what sense? I got nauseous. Mm-hmm short of breath, mm-hmm. really sweaty, really clammy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't like couldn't figure out if I wanted to lay down, go to sleep or like run a marathon. Um I was just kind of pacing around this little place that we lived in. And so I'm trying to convince her to call her all of her various family members who are medical providers. Mm-hmm. Because I needed to hear from her medical provider that I wasn't dying because I really thought I was dying. Okay. And she, for some reason, refused to call her family members and say, just overdosed on pot brownies, what should we do? Right. Who knows what the backlash would be on that? Right, right. So then I did convince her to call um, some friends of ours that I knew were regular pot users. And at that point, the paranoia had crept in. And so these are two people I love and trust, and I'm talking to them on the phone, and I'm asking them, what do I do, what do I do, how do I make myself throw up, and all they're doing is laughing at me. Okay. Because to them, this is funny, which now I, of course, see as very funny, but at the time, you're so paranoid that it just makes it worse. Right. So I hung up, and that's when I forced my girlfriend to call 911. So let's just say that... I'm pretty sure I was the case of the week, the call of the week in whatever station house that was, the fire station, where 40-year-old lesbian overdoses on pot brownies. Mm-hmm. And did they come? They came? Because, oh, they came. Oh, yeah, they came. And there was about eight hot guys in our little tiny cottage, and they were, what I remember, laughing at me. More laughing. And asking me a bunch of questions and pulling my girlfriend aside to ask her questions such as, so does she use a lot of drugs? You know, how frequently does she use drugs? And my girlfriend was like, no, no, she actually never uses drugs. And then they start asking me all the basic name and insurance information. And then I had to interrupt them and say, okay, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You understand about HIPAA compliance, right? Because I was so paranoid. And they said, yeah, we do. This is all, we're all being HIPAA compliant. And I said, well, because I work at a hospital. And they said, oh, just making conversation, I assume. Which hospital do you work at? And I said, I can't tell you. Wow. Because I, of course, thought that I, they were going to call the hospital and then I'd be fired and I would have no job. Right. Needless to say, they really just took my vitals. Mm-hmm. And I said, do I have to go to the hospital? Do you have to take me to the ER? And they said, no, 
uh, you're actually okay. And if we take you to the ER, they're just going to tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. And your vitals are very stable. You're fine. You're not going to die. And then the guy said to me, do you know what a panic attack is? And I said, yes, I do. I do. I know what a panic attack is. And he said, okay, well, you're having a marijuana-induced panic attack. And that's what made me feel better, just to hear, Mm -hmm. like, somebody identify what the hell was going on. Right. And then they said, just relax, try and fall asleep, play some music, play some Bob Marley, and then they all laughed and they left. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you do? I paced around for probably another good hour, which, you know, in pot time, that might have just been 10 minutes. I don't really know. And then then I finally went to sleep, but did not feel well for like a good 24 hours. So that scared me enough that I have not touched it in nine years. So two years ago, I get diagnosed with disc disease in my back, like many people have, and it's very painful, and many friends have recommended, oh, you should try marijuana, you should try medicinal marijuana, it'll help with the pain, it'll help with the muscle spasms. And, you know, I was prescribed the heavy-duty pain narcotics, And I've also went through physical therapy. I went through, I do the steroid injections. I did acupuncture. I'm a regular exerciser, so it's not like I'm not moving. I don't believe in not moving as a treatment for ailments. So I thought, okay, it's time. We were on a vacation in Mendocino. When in Mendocino, why not do what everybody else does? And I walked by a dispensary called something like, We Love You. <laughs> and We Love I, You Weed. <laughs> and I thought, right, We Love You Weed. So I thought, okay, I'll go in there and I'll, I'll try this. I'll see what this is all about and see how this works. Since it was now legal, because nine years ago when I had the brownie experience, it was not legal. So I go in there. And, you know, they walk you through the whole thing. It's very simple. It was timely. It took a couple hours. But they connected me. So I was talking FaceTime on my phone with a doctor through their company from back east somewhere. And he looked a little too much like Bernie Sanders. I'm not really sure if it was him or not still to this day. (laughs) Okay. Bernie might be in this story. Or probably not. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Bernie was was also the cameo of the doctor, right. the weed doctor. Right. An hour later, I have a medicinal card, and the people at the dispensary in Mendocino were very helpful, and they explained to me, and I said, I'm kind of afraid because I had this bad experience with edibles, but I don't like to smoke. And one of the reasons I didn't like to smoke was I am a long-distance runner, and when I if I smoked at night, the next morning I couldn't breathe and my throat hurt. Mm-hmm. So I never understood how people did that. Clearly I was smoking wrong, but all the stuff about the the other inhalers and the pens and the bongs, it was very, very confusing to me mm-hmm. and overwhelming. And I thought, I'd rather just eat something. So I asked the nice people at this dispensary. I believe she was about 17 and her name was Crystal. <laughs> and... <laughs> And she loved you. <laughs> she loved me and I loved her. Mm-hmm. It was a mutual love relationship. Right. Well, that's a good thing. And, but you know what? She was very knowledgeable for a 17-year-old. And She was she, not 17. I, 
She was yeah, of 18. Of course she was not 17. She but was she 18. She was 17, okay? Okay, okay, so, thank you. I just had to have that clarified. <laughs> she was 18 in two months. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have been legal. You don't think they do, like, um, school work placement programs in Mendocino at dispensaries? <laughs> Straight from the high school not yet. classroom to the dispensary. Right. So... She, no, she was actually very helpful, and I explained to her my experience and what I wanted and what I didn't want, and she gave me a couple different products, you know, like the cookies, the brownies, the candy, the cinnamon sticks that you put in your tea, all those different things, and so the throat lozenges, and so I actually successfully used them, and she explained to me all the CBD, THC, but honestly, I really didn't understand a lot of it. She went through it faster than I because at 17 she was way smarter than I was. So I had a really hard time understanding all of what she was saying and the chemicals involved and the science involved. I just said, give me something that's going to make my pain go away. And if I get a little high and happy, great. That's a great side effect. So she gives me the stuff and I actually successfully minimally used it for a couple months. And it was like I take one piece of candy And, like, I didn't feel high, but I felt like it relaxed my muscles enough to relax my back that I wasn't in as much pain as I had been before I ate the candy. Mm -hmm. But I was still hesitant and afraid of the fear, the PTSD occurring from the pot brownie experience from nine years ago. That wasn't a pot brownie experience. That was a three-pot brownie experience. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, friends... Friends don't say to you, here, here's some pot brownies. Well, maybe now they do. But back then, nobody would say, here's some pot brownies, only eat half of one. <laughs> they don't say that to you. Well, these so, days, maybe. I ran out of the edibles that I had gotten at the dispensary in Mendocino, like, through the course of six months. And so I asked for a recommendation of a friend in the East Bay of where to go for a dispensary in Berkeley. And so I went to a dispensary in Berkeley. And the guy there was not quite as helpful as my 17-year-old friend named Crystal. And he talked really fast. And I felt really stupid because I was like the one person in Berkeley who didn't understand the chemical compounds of marijuana. Mm -hmm. So I just said, okay, fine, I'll take that, I'll take that, whatever. And so I walk out of there with like $200 worth of stuff, I don't know what I have in my hand. So I don't know if it was that night or a couple nights later, I eat a tiny little cookie. The cookie, I remember a piece of the cookie fell off, broke off onto the floor when I first took it, and I thought, I have cats and dogs because I'm a lesbian and I live in the East Bay. (laughs) And so... So I thought, I better pick up that little piece of cookie and throw it away before the cats get really stoned. Right. So I made sure to pick that up. So I didn't even eat the whole cookie. Mm-hmm. And this was a small, tiny little cookie, like maybe half an inch in diameter. Mm-hmm. And so I eat this cookie like an hour into it. I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm feeling relaxed. My back doesn't hurt. It's helping. I'm getting kind of sleepy. I can go to sleep pretty soon. And I had work the next day. So... I was supposed to have work the next day. So it just went down quickly, and I thought, oh, no, do not let this happen again. Do not let this happen again, because I was so afraid of what happened before. This time was even worse than the three-pot brownies. And I don't know. 
Actually, a, a young person friend of mine has recently said to me, well, maybe it was the interaction of other medications that you're on, which could have been, I don't know. But two hours later, it was wintertime, so I walked outside. I'm walking around in my pajamas, just trying to walk it off, hoping the cold will wake me up. Mm-hmm. I had heard that if you take a cold shower, that'll help. So I kept taking repeated cold showers and putting my head under the cold water. I actually went next door because next door we have neighbors that are two nurses. And so it's about 10.30 at night, and I'm ringing their doorbell, and they have one of those high-tech doorbells that takes a picture mm-hmm. when you ring the doorbell. So I can only imagine what the picture looks like <laughs> of me stoned out of my mind, paranoid, freaking out. Mm-hmm. But they weren't home because they're nurses. So I finally woke my wife up and... She tried to help, but I i just, it, it was pure hell. Mm-hmm. I was psychotic. I really felt like I didn't know who she was. I didn't understand time. I didn't understand where I was. At one point, she suggested, why don't we go outside and get some fresh air? I went outside, and I thought, I don't know if you're standing here with me or not. And there's also all the physical symptoms of not being able to breathe, feeling nauseous, feeling mm-hmm. sweaty not knowing what to do, and it goes on and on and on forever, and it was pure hell. We'll have more with Jody from Berkeley in a future episode of The Cannabis Corner. Canna Kids, where there is breath, there is hope. Inspired by young cancer warriors, our lab-tested honey gold cannabis oil was formulated specifically for serious disease in the young and old alike. Our THCA is non-psychoactive and contains only a trace amount of active THC. The raw cannabinoids are derived from whole plant THC flour and then extracted at extremely low temperatures using organic olive oil in order to preserve the therapeutic acid-based properties of THCA. For dosing, CannaKids works hand-in-hand with medical professionals and wellness practitioners who specialize in cannabinoid therapy for both pediatric and adult diseases. To schedule a phone consultation for an additional fee, please visit our website at www.cannakids.org. Click on the pop-up on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen that says Contact Us Today and choose the practitioner that has the expertise in dosing for your ailment. CannaKids. And now more with our interview with veterinarian Dr. Angie Krause of Boulder, Colorado. I had been wondering about anyone trying to get pets high, and Adam had something to say. You said nobody, you know, ever wants to get a pet high. Now, I can tell you that I actually just listened, overheard a conversation in the dispensary um, yesterday where somebody was talking about how they like to blow, you know, hits, I don't know what they're smoking out of a bong, a joint, a pipe, what have you, into their, I don't know if it was a dog or a cat that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I know of people doing this for over decades. What, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Angie? Well, I mean, I have I have mixed reactions to that. Most people um, don't want to get their pets high. I think that's true. But I think I that uh, I think that sometimes people find it amusing when their pets do get high. And I think it, the tough part for us is we don't know how high they're getting because they can't tell us. 
Are they just comfortable? Um, are, are they experiencing pain relief and some euphoria? Or are they having, you know, hallucinations um, mm. and anxiety uh, inside? So I really just try to talk to people. It's really unwise is what you're saying. It, it is unwise, yes. And I think, you know, especially living in Boulder, we have so much access to products that we know the components, the constituents. We know the ratios. And so if people really want to use THC for their pets, they can at least do it um, knowingly and knowing how much they're giving. And so when people really just want to do something like that, well, I try to discourage THC, and I always start with CBD first because... But, um, but so while you're saying you discourage THC, you, you would encourage THCA because it's not psychoactive, right? Yes. And some people are, they really want to use it, and that's when they need help. And and that's where it gets tricky um, is that I I want to help my clients or if they've already been using it. And that happens a lot. Well, I've already been sharing this with my dog. He's doing really well. And so then we talk about symptoms of what it looks like um, when dogs do experience too much THC. And you can actually build up the amount of THC. Um, They do build tolerance. And so just helping people do it a little bit more wisely because it's going to happen uh, no matter what. And so helping people um, that really want to use it. I, I love the idea that you mentioned of juicing for dogs because we were, we were just speaking uh, about juicing with Karam in the program last week. And I'm wondering, do dogs or cats seem to like the taste of that? Or they, will they ingest that on their own? You know, I think most cats probably would not, um, but a lot of dogs do will in- ingest juice, green juices, and I think it would probably depend on the breed. Like most Labradors would probably ingest almost anything depending on um, the individual dog, but I've had a lot of clients with big dogs juice, even juice regular fruits and vegetables uh, with great success, and I think that mm. juicing hemp would be no different. I have an image of a tincture being eye-dropped onto the chosen kibble, as it were. Perhaps when you talk about people giving their dogs a a regimented dose of, say, CBD, there's a couple of different ways I heard you saying, and big dogs can take pills and cats don't necessarily. Are people doing that, dropping some tincture onto the kibble itself? Yes. Okay, that's one of the ways to approach it. You can do that. A lot of people do it maybe on like a cookie, um, they'll put it on the cookie, or some of my clients just squirt it in their mouth, and because it usually tastes pretty good, it just tastes like oil. And the capsules have a little bit more of a smell, and so um, some dogs and cats don't like that. It really just depends on on how picky the animal is. From your own medical opinion, does does the fact that this is working so well with animals? awaken you to the notion of how it might be for humans? Or are you a Coloradan who already understands what this is about? Because a lot of people, there's a learning curve here, and you're a physician, so are you not surprised by this? And also, does it give you new hope for what very ill humans might deal with? Yes, I'm not surprised. You know, as a holistic practitioner, um, the fact that a plant could have so much healing potential doesn't surprise me. I have been really overwhelmed by how many pets that we've been able to help in the practice. With other herbs that I use, I I generally think that I'm going to get a response, but not quite the response I've seen with this particular plant. Oh, that's interesting to say, yeah. 
Yes, yeah, I feel like it's one of the more powerful herbs that I have used in the last 10 years as a holistic practitioner. And, you know, living in Colorado, I'm not surprised by the movement. It's just a kind of everyday um, reality and everyday language here. And so when I I talk to people in other places or other states, I'm reminded of the bubble that I live in where cannabis is just just part of life here. Right. You might have gone to school with someone who's in Wyoming who there is just zero language going on. And that's just the way 2017 has unfolded. And we'll see what's coming. I have a feeling, if I were to predict, that the entire veterinarian community is going to get on board. You just said there are all sorts of oils and holistic things to try, but here is something that is working better. It really is working better than some of the other things. So people out there who are interested in the holistic approach with your pets, research the other oils that Dr. Angie is discussing before you allow yourself to approach CBD, THCA, And um, there's a great deal to learn online. My goodness, there's a lot about pets and cannabis online. Adam, do you have other questions for Dr. Angie? Well, I just had something to add, you know, in terms of giving uh, cannabis or hemp legitimacy in the veterinary world. I think the fact that Colorado State University, their veterinary uh, school, is doing a study on CBD speaks to something that they see, you know, they see some value there. And CSU, I think, is maybe among the top few vet schools in the country. So I think it gives quite a bit of credibility to the plant in terms of its healing power for pets. And, you know, they also um, help with large animals there, too. So that was my other question for you, Dr. Angie, which is, have you heard of uh, people using this with, you know, livestock, horses, cattle, anything else? I have heard of a few people using it for their horses. I know that uh, Dr. Rob Silver has a product um, that he's tried a few times with horses, um, but I, I don't know the outcome of that. And the other thing I wonder about that is the expense of right. getting uh, how much CBD we could get for, you know, a thousand pound animal and if we could get it mm. um, to therapeutic levels. But I think that is a great um, space that it's needed. Most horses are athletes. They suffer from, you know, a lot of the same inflammatory diseases. That right. That's do. why I figured that it could be so healing for horses, so helpful during that healing process. Right. But so expensive at this point, so expensive. You're talking about mixing it with feed. Right. You know, there's a lot of areas yet to be explored. It's kind of exciting. I've enjoyed this this ride a lot. Yeah, I can I can hear that you are enjoying it, and it's uh, it makes us feel optimistic about uh, where it might head in in your field. Um, I had a question about the Colorado State University. Sounds like they may be front runners for human study, although none of that is going to happen until cannabis is out of the Schedule One corner, right, Adam? But the thing is, that would not be CSU. That would be CU, because CSU is the ag school of the state, and they have the veterinary program. CU has a medical school in Denver and a medical, a huge medical center there. It's actually phenomenal. Um, we're lucky to have that here in the state, and uh, that's where I see trials happening is, is through CU. 
I see. Dr. Angie Krauss, I want to thank you so much for coming on The Cannabis Corner and for helping us with your experiences. And we'd love to have you back in time so we can see the evolution of this. Obviously, there are do's and don'ts in a time where the regulation is being ironed out by our government or our local government or by medical professionals. Um, so much happening in it, and we so appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We love your questions and comments. Listen to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Insta and Twitter. If you have any questions regarding coming on the Cannabis Corner as a guest, please let us know what your interest is and your story and how you got into this. We'll see you next time on the Cannabis Corner. Mm -hmm.